you're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 135th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, I'm excited to continue the conversation on diversity with Deborah McNellis as my guest. Deborah is an author, speaker, and creator of Neuro Nurturing. As an early brain development specialist and founder of Brain Insights LLC, she has developed the unique Neuro Nurturing Interaction Packets and the Digital Brain Basics Quick Start Guide Nurture the Brilliance Within Children. She has also published Transitions and Balanced Stimulation Development Packets in collaboration with Redleaf Press. She has been seen in publications, heard on the radio, and webinars worldwide, and receives rave reviews for her engaging and insightful presentations and keynotes for communities, schools, organizations, and companies. Her enthusiasm is said to be contagious. I'm super ready to experience that enthusiasm today, Deborah. Welcome, and thank you for agreeing to talk with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. You are so welcome. So what is the primary focus of the work that you do? It is to create awareness and understanding of the way in which a child's brain develops in simple, understandable, and practical ways. My goal is for this to become common knowledge for everyone, every adult on this planet to understand how children's brains develop. Just having the basics of understanding makes an incredible difference so that there's appropriate expectations and providing the experiences that children need to physically wire their brain in the most positive ways. With the emphasis, which was the main point of your question, the emphasis is so that children develop with a positive self-perception. They believe that they are worthwhile, that they are acceptable, that they are worth love and acceptance, and they just believe in themselves. Yeah, I can't believe anybody not thinking that that is a wonderful goal of parenting. I don't know too many parents out there who wouldn't want that for their children, and I know plenty who wouldn't exactly know how to go about doing that. So I'm sure your work is very much accepted and emphasized, and I would love to join you in making sure everybody in the world understands this <laughs> stuff because children are not just little people that, whose brains function the same way ours do. And I have seen parents and I know I've done it myself where I've expected something from a child that they really weren't capable of doing. Luckily, they can remind me of that in their own way and I can readjust, but sometimes that's hard to do. So I think I'm going to love hearing more about your work. I know that you coined the term neuro-nurturing. Can you tell us what that actually means? Sure. So when I first started my company, it's called Brain Insights. So I was giving insights into the way that children's brains develop. So I was talking about early brain development. And sometimes I was finding that just hearing that term can feel a little bit intimidating for people thinking, oh, that's going to be really sciencey. That's going to be talking about neuroscience terminology. And I also realized that people 
have the connotation that if these brains develop so much in these early years, then we must push as much knowledge and academics on those children and ensure that they're building their intelligence and acquiring all that academic knowledge. And so education has continued to push down, push down, push down on that type of thinking on younger and younger children. I realized, well, maybe we need a different term to be talking about what children actually need. I was having a wonderful conversation with a colleague, and through that discussion came up with the term neuro-nurturing. And I said, that conveys it so much better. And it's been wonderful because when I mentioned that term, neuro-nurturing, the response is always positive. Oh, yeah, that's what I want for my child. I want to neuro-nurture my child. Of course, the next question would be, how do you go about doing that? I know you have something called the neuro-nurturing model. Is that the blueprint for how to actually do it? It is. It is. So once I came up with that term, I thought, oh, wonderful. Yay, we can talk about this. But then I thought, okay, well, how do I convey then? Because people are going to ask questions like that. What is neuro-nurturing? What goes into it? What do I need to do to neuro-nurture my child? I realized that over the years, at the beginning of presentations, I would often say to develop a brain well, there really are four basic things. And I would say, if you provide for the physical and safety needs of a child or security needs of a child and provide nurturing, loving interactions and play, you are providing what a developing brain needs most. I realized that I was saying those four things. So I created this model based on those four elements. I designed it in a circular format because all of those aspects, one is not more important than another. They all contribute to a well-developed brain. They interact with each other. And then I realized, well, okay, what goes into each of those four elements? I came up with five aspects that go into each of those areas. Under physical needs, there's five aspects. Under security needs, there's five aspects and play and nurturing. Would you have time to tell us any of those aspects now? Or is that something that we have to get your book to find out about? No, that's entirely fine. I have the model on my website under a tab called Neuro Nurturing. You can send me an email and you can request me to send you a copy of it if you're interested. Oh, but awesome. I can describe a bit about it. Under physical needs, things such as nutrition, that's a basic. Hydration, touch, movement, those are physical needs. And another aspect of why I developed this model was because a lot of times when we're talking about child development, people often focus on one area. We'll have professionals that are really promoting play, which is wonderful, of course, fabulous. Some people are promoting secure attachment. Wonderful again. But when I started thinking about, okay, do I have an area of emphasis? I realized, no, all of this is needed for a child. Under play, again, it's movement, exploration, experimentation, music, those kinds of things. Under nurturing, it's attunement and creating those secure nurturing relationships. It all overlaps. It does. It sounds really exciting. Many people will be listening to this podcast and they may not be parents, but they are a loving presence in the life of a child. Does it have to be parents who provide this neuro-nurturing or can other peripheral people be the ones that when they're together with their child, they step in and do this work? 
Yes, it can be anyone. It does not. That's an excellent question. It does not have to be a parent. It's everyone that interacts with a child. And I often say influences a child directly or indirectly, because there's a lot of people that need this understanding. That's why I say we need everyone to understand this, because there's people that are making policy decisions that are impacting the way in which a child's brain is going to be developed. There's that indirect But then your question is, anyone else that's influencing that child, do they need to understand this or can they implement this? And that's definitely true. A neighbor, a babysitter, a child care provider. An um, aunt, a grandparent. Exactly. Exactly. Anyone. You mentioned that everybody who interacts with the child is going to have an impact either directly or indirectly. And would you also say either positively or not? And who do you want to be? Do you want to be the person that is consciously impacting in a positive way or that may be inadvertently impacting in a not so positive way? Do you help people with that? Exactly. Yes. That's one of the primary points that I like to make. I guess I have many (laughs) primary points that I like to make. So I don't know if you can call them primary when there's multiple. but (laughs) They're just points and they're good ones. They are. They're important (laughs) points, important insights. That's right. Yes, definitely. Anyone is, like we talked about, going to have an influence on children. And it may be positive or it may be a negative influence. One of the primary points is that a brain develops based on experience. The connections between neurons occur based on experience. The brain is experience dependent. If a child is not having experiences, the brain does not magically just grow. It is dependent on experiences happening. It doesn't distinguish, this is a positive experience, I'm going to hold on to that. This is a negative experience, I won't make connections based on that. It just makes connections based on whatever experiences are happening most frequently. What I often say is how interesting it is to think about how the early years are so critically important and provides us with incredible opportunity by knowing this information of what is most positive because the brain adapts to whatever environment it is exposed to. When we think about that it is designed to develop primarily after birth, so only a small portion of the brain is developed prenatally, and that birth to five years old is the time for the most rapid brain development so that the brain can adapt to whatever experiences are happening so they can adapt to the environment, the culture, the people that they're being exposed to most often. It's really cool to think about that we have that ability that the brain is designed to do this so that it can develop in this culture or in this climate for survival and then for success in that area. Another brain is going to develop in this way over here. Talking about the topic of diversity that you're hosting your focus on, there's diversity just in that. The brain is adapting to whatever experiences. So whether it's positive or negative, it's going to adapt to whatever is happening most frequently in that environment so that child can learn to adapt to those repeated experiences. Mm. It makes me wonder about a child who may have experienced early trauma. Is neuro-nurturing something that can help a child correct for the things that they've learned during that trauma? Or would you say this is only for healthy children? The emphasis of the reason that I do the work is prevention. 
if everyone understands this knowledge and has these ideas and interaction suggestions, then we can make it as positive as possible that this child is not going to experience that trauma. They're getting the nurturing that they need. However, the good news is that the brain is always changing throughout our lives. It's reorganizing, readapting, and making changes. That gives us the opportunity to always make those changes later. The thing is, as I mentioned, the brain is developing most rapidly in these earliest years. We want to use that opportunity to develop it as positively as possible. And so the changes that can be made, like you were referring to, can happen most easily during that time that the brain is developing the most quickly during that time. That's why early intervention programs are the most effective. But the good news is we can always make changes later. Even at my age, my brain is changing and readapting. It's just going to take a lot more time, a lot more consistency, a lot more repetition to make those changes. But all's not lost. We can make some changes. Okay, I love that. Your company is called Brain Insights. In what way would you say Brain Insights is unique? It's unique in the way that it shares the information in very simple, understandable ways and very practical, applicable ways. That's become my niche. That was intended when I started the company. We need to make this very understandable, real digestible for adults. That's the kind of response I get when I do presentations. You know, I've heard a little bit about brain development before. I have attended workshops or staff development trainings on brain development, but I didn't get it until I heard you explain it. That's one of the most common responses I get because I make it so easy to comprehend. That's so important because if you hear some information, let's say you hear neuro-nurturing and in your mind you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to have a MD or be a neurologist to be able to understand any of it, then we don't seek out that information. But if we believe that it's possible for us to actually comprehend it with you know, the limited knowledge that we have, I know I didn't take anatomy and physiology in high school. I didn't take neurology in college, so I don't have that background. I have a wee bit of background in brain stuff because I studied psychology, but what we knew about the brain when I was in college is so vastly almost non-existent compared to what we know about the brain now, and we're only just beginning to understand. We know just a fraction of what the brain does, how it does it, what we can use it for. It's just fascinating. Do you tend to work then more so with parents or do you work with kids themselves? I work with adults that are influencing children. So I don't work directly with the children very often, but it is a variety of audiences that I do work with. A lot of early childhood educators, child care providers, nannies, social workers, medical community. I even did a presentation at a judge's conference. It was eye-opening for them about making decisions about placements for children. Oh, that's so so important. As someone, I worked 17 years in a specialized foster care agency, and Mm -hmm. sometimes it broke my heart to see what would happen with kids when you took them from their parents, even if the parents' abilities were marginal, it was a disruption of that attachment and could be really difficult for the kid. Right. 
it sounds like you don't need to actually work with the kids when you're working with the grownups who are working with the kids because right. they're the ones with the relationship. So then I'm guessing that perhaps the grownups who are influencing children that are coming to you may not need to take that child to a center where they're getting professional treatment because they're able to do it themselves in their own homes. Is that, is that That's true? Very true. Very true. Yes. I do work with a lot of parent educators too. Home visitors is another role that I provide this information for. So they're going in and having those one-on-one sessions with those parents, helping them have this understanding. That is so wonderful. Do you find that there's any cultural differences or socioeconomic differences in applying these ideas? That's what I love about the brain science is it's all biological. This is what goes on in the brain. This is what all brain needs. Across cultures and social economic levels, it doesn't matter. People will ask me, are you reaching the right people? Oh my <laughs> and goodness. My, yes. And my response is, everyone that receives this information is the right person. And when they're asking that question, I think the underlying meaning is, are you reaching those low socioeconomic populations? Another part of my response is, one is that anyone that gets this information is benefiting. But if you can think of a very high income, dual career family, that maybe those parents are working long, long hours and just into their work, and maybe they don't have the time to do the type of interactions that their child might need. They need it just as much, or they might have really, really high expectations that are not developmentally appropriate for a child. But then if they have this brain knowledge, brain development knowledge, maybe it's going to put that in perspective for the child. So yes, it's appropriate for everyone. Wonderful. I really appreciate you sharing this information. It sounds super helpful. Do you have any kind of final point you might like to share that you feel would be beneficial to the people who are listening? Sure. One point that I love to make is one on focused attention. We don't have the time to go into the details about that, but at the end of that presentation, I always make the point that we need to, as the adults that are interacting with children, we tend to, at the end of our day, oh, I didn't do that well. I should have handled that differently. Oh, I didn't get that done. We do that to ourselves. Our brain is negativity bias, so it's just natural. I say that and all the time to people. <laughs> We're hardwired for negativity, so we have to do the battle to fight against exactly. that. Exactly. My suggestion is to refocus your attention. Look at all the positive things you did throughout the day, because there's probably many, many, many more positives you did throughout the day than those negatives. That's the final point that I would like to make is to to look at what you do do and the ways in which you are positively influencing children. Beautiful. If this is a child that you love and care about, you'll never feel like you've done enough, but you can find that you've done your best and that's all you can ask of yourself. Exactly. Do you have something coming up that you'd like to tell our audience about? Or maybe you have some products that would be helpful for people who are trying to maybe implement some of what you've shared today? Certainly, both of those things. I'm in the process right now of redesigning my website. So I would encourage or invite people to come visit the newly designed website as it's being developed. That would be wonderful. And find out about the products that I've developed. 
My newest one is something called the first 60 days. And this emphasizes the importance of nurturing a baby in those first 60 days and how incredibly important that is. This is a little booklet guide. Everything I have created is written in the child's voice. This is what the children want the adults in their lives to know and do with them. This is based on 21 myths and misconceptions that are common, and it provides the neural nurturing knowledge in place of those myths. And then in addition, I have what are called neural nurturing interaction packets. There's one for each age from birth through age five, so up to age six. The idea is that these are just handy for parents to have on hand, in their pocket, in their purse, in their diaper bag, and provide neural nurturing interaction suggestions on the front of each card. And then on the back of the card, it gives a very, very simple insight without the scientific terminology, but the simple insight all, as I said, in the child's voice. There's one for each age. This is Neural Nurturing Your Newborn. I don't currently presently have the Love Your Baby packet, which was my first one. I love that one. And then I have Fun While I'm One, More to Do While I'm Two. Oh, that's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Play With Me While I'm Three. Let's Learn More While I'm Four. Help Me Thrive While I'm Five. And then there also is one on nature and the benefits of nature for developing brain. So this is all nature activities, primarily for three to five-year-olds. The Love Your Baby through the five-year-old packet are all available in both English and Spanish. Oh, excellent. Very good. If people want to reach out to you, what is that URL for your website? And you mentioned emailing. So how could they do that? The website is braininsightsonline.com. Braininsightsonline.com. And my email is deb at braininsightsonline.com. Deb, D-E-B. Excellent. Wonderful. I so appreciate you joining us today, Deb. I love talking with passionate creators of unique solutions and anything that helps children is something that I just find wonderful. I have eight beautiful grandbabies and I wished I had had this information when I was a parent. I can't tell you how many times that's said to me. I wish I would have known this sooner. Yeah. You're helping people to know it now. I appreciate that. Appreciate you inviting me. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I hope you'll join me next week. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.